open your Bibles to Isaiah 53, 5. Isaiah 53, 5. I'm going to be preaching out of the Old Testament. I plan on closing the uh, message with a verse out of the New Testament. But it'll be the Old Testament today. I think of our Heavenly Father, and he's referred to that. It's not a byproduct of the former church I was raised in. Uh, they called everybody Father there. <laughs> and uh, But... Uh, it is a fact that we have a heavenly Father that looks over us. And Jesus Christ demonstrated obedience to that heavenly Father. And prophetic scripture written 900 to 1500 years before he ever was put on this planet in human form, Jesus Christ that is, this is where we're going to be at today in uh, scripture. Isaiah chapter 53 and... The verse, my one of my favorite verses, which I have hanging on the wall in my office, is Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded, and they're speaking of Jesus Christ here in a prophetic nature. This verse, like I said, was written, this whole chapter was written before Christ physically walked the earth. I say physically because he was on this earth. He made this earth. In fact, the Romans... John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. That's 52, we'll go to 53. Who hath believed our report, and in whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he was hid as it were, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded, this is the verse, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And we'll read the rest of this if the Lord tarries and leads me to finish the chapter. But I wanted us to first, before we looked at the rest of this chapter, Get down the basics as to the number of words that are fitly chosen for this portion of Scripture. But he was wounded for our transgressions. The word wound means to hurt or to injure. doesn't mean to kill. See, we're going to find out that Jesus Christ was killed for his heavenly Father, but he was wounded and bruised and beaten for us, for our sins and our transgressions. He suffered on the cross for our sins, but he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. Bruised means to crush, to hurt, or to break with a blunt or heavy instrument. You just about wince when you hear about that. Bruised for our iniquities. I want you to look at that verse. You see the word our in there three times. And then the word we, four times, which is the number of the earth, number four. We have four seasons in our planet. And we have uh, most of the elements are composed uh, in fours. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. He did that for us. He did that for us. And the word chastisement is a simple word, uh, an older word. We don't use it as much anymore, but that word chastisement means to correct or punish, to inflict pain in an effort to uh, correct. So a chastisement of our peace in Scripture was a pain which Christ suffered to purchase our peace and reconciliation to God. That was that quote is including the uh, the meaning of chastisements from Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. I have borne chastisement; I will not offend any more. Job said that in chapter 34, verse 31. Job was chastised by Christ. Uh, my Bible says, "Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth." So chastisement's a very important part of our of our relationship with God. And it should be an important part of our relationship with those we love, whether we, it comes across intentionally or accidentally or uh, uh, as a result of uh, somebody else or something else. We have to accept that. We have to look at the right side of it. Just think how Jesus Christ felt when last week we looked at his hour that had not yet come. And he knew he was going to suffer unjustly for each one of us. He was going to take on our sins upon him. He who knew no sin took upon our sins. And that's a paraphrase from Scripture. But Jesus Christ wanted to be obedient to his heavenly Father. And he wanted to be exemplatory to us. And so uh, we'll look at another word here. But he, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And that word iniquity is found in the Bible. It's defined by being wicked, immoral in nature or character. It's summarized in the fact that it's not actually the action of a sin. It's the thought of a sin. That's the difference between iniquity and sin. And you'll see that recognized in Psalms 32, verse 5. Therefore, the phrase, the iniquity of my sin. See, God repeats himself very specifically, but each word carries its own weight. I get a little upset with some of the newer translations that just kind of blanket the whole thing with one word. Easy for uh, us to read, but not deep enough for us to understand. So there is a difference between iniquity and there's a difference between transgressions. And we'll see that when we read the rest of the chapter. But he was crushed and hurt and by a broken or blunt instrument. And then there's the, the word, and with his stripes we are healed. That word is a very specific word. It would be what we tend to call slang. In its day, it meant just one thing, whipped means whipped. They take a cat of nine tails or a similar uh, item and it'd be a, a piece of wood with braided around it up to 20 or 30 uh, pieces of leather like horses reins coming off of it. And in that leather they'd take little pieces of sharp rocks 
and uh, uh, sharp sticks and and uh, some people even say glass. I don't know if there was much glass around then. But anyway, anything sharp, pottery. And they'd weave it into that leather. And the Romans had it down to a science when you got stripes. They had a specific amount of stripes. Usually no man could withstand more than 40 stripes because that would bring about complete death. The man who executed the whipping sometimes was replaced by another man and another man, depending on how many stripes you called for, because the blows had to be in specific areas. They had to be a specific uh, power. I'm thinking of ammunition now. What do they call that when ammunition, they give you a PSI, pounds per square inch. They had to issue that with pounds per square inch, a rhythmic pattern. If they broke the pattern when they beat you, you could suffocate. Your lungs would go into uh, trauma. Your whole body would go into trauma. And the rhythmic would set the rhythmic beating of your body, would set your heart off, would set your lungs off. You'd go into trauma and die of shock. So they were real specific. And with Christ, they give them 39. 40 would kill you. They give them right up to the limit. Sometimes they give you five different people, different crimes. But they were very specific about that. So the word stripes carries the punitive punishment. And uh, Christ endured that for each one of us. And if you've ever seen the movie, uh, what's that movie about the Christ? That they, pretty gruesome, The Passion. Pretty gruesome, but pretty accurate in those regards. Pretty accurate. Bend you over a stump and beat you. And it would be one thing if you deserved it. And they wanted him to be punished. For what? For saying he was king? Not of this world? Remember the man who accused him found no fault in him. The man who convicted him. But he stood before the crowd and was beaten. And unlike the movie The Passion, he was stripped naked for humiliation. He was abused in any form you can imagine by the prisoners, by the Roman soldiers. Then he was killed for us. And I say he was killed. He was bruised. He was hurt for us. He was wounded. He was hurt for us. And he was chastised for us. Of our peace was upon him. Our justification was upon him. He took on our sins so we could have peace with our maker, so we could stand before our heavenly father, and he'd say, how do you justify even standing here before me? Because he who knew no sin didn't allow any sin either. When you get to heaven, there'll be no sin there. There's no mystery of what heaven's like. You just imagine this world without any sin. You've got a pretty good idea of what heaven's going to be like. You know, when I got here, they bragged about not locking your car doors and not all the little things. That, you know, you leave your door open. All those little things. Then you magnify it by the hustle and bustle and the things that take place in this day and age, and you wouldn't have a job. <laughs> yeah, I talked to somebody else who did the same thing. Uh, worked at a prison. I was a turnkey for a while at a prison. And the, we wouldn't have to worry about those things. We wouldn't have to worry about who pulls into the parking lot over here. 
We wouldn't have to worry about those kind of things. That's what heaven's going to be like, no sin there. And yet, when we come there, we're going to be covered with it unless we have gotten right with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Unless we thank the Heavenly Father for what Jesus Christ did on the cross for our sins. That's the furthest, that's the, all the further we have to acknowledge it. That's as simple as the formula. Come to the ever-saving knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That word our is in a plural format, but it, you could put your name in it. For, uh, but God was wounded for Roy's transgressions. He was bruised for Roy's iniquity. He was uh, the chastisement of, Roy, of Roy's peace was upon him. The payment for my peace came upon Jesus Christ. And with his stripes, with Jesus' stripes, we all, each one of us, put your name in there, Roy was healed. We are healed. Because God, an example for us, showed us what a Heavenly Father was about. The Heavenly Father wants us to be in heaven with him. He, he wants us to share a relationship through his Son. And if it was much more complicated than understanding that Jesus Christ died for you, it'd be more like work. But my Bible says, For by grace ye are saved, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We don't have any way to earn ourselves heaven. Jesus Christ earns it right there in Isaiah 53, 5. He was put on this earth and set in motion a plan that was conceived before the world even began. Scripture says that. Five times in Scripture, there are things that took place before the world began. And this was the centerpiece of it all. The Heavenly Father wanted us to have a relationship with Him. When I was a young man, I used to get called into my father's office. He was a vice admiral in the Navy. I didn't realize it at the time, but I remember going into these big places, looked like gymnasiums to me. Of course, us kids would run around and horse around in there. And he had an office off a side door like that. And we was an airplane hangar is what it was because he worked, he managed an aircraft carrier. And we'd go running in, me and my brother would run in there. And, uh, hi, Pops. Well, if we screwed up, we'd get called in on the office. We'd have to get right before we left that office. And sometimes that took chastisement. Well, when Jesus Christ wants to meet you and I, he's not going to want to spank us. You brought it all about yourself here on this earth. All your iniquities and your problems get magnified and Christ he died so you could enter into the office. But he can't take care of all the things that take place here on the earth. He can manage and help, yes. Intercede on your behalf, yes. But in reality, when it's all done, when you get before Christ, he can't allow sin in there, and he's not going to spank you. It's all taken care of before you get to the office. I was established as my father's son before I walked into that office. There was all these other guys around in uniforms and different things, and they just kind of stood back and let the little bald-haired kid run in there. We was in the Navy, you know, and we all had to shave our heads. <laughs> and so uh, God's watching you. It was so cute, the little girl running around. Oh, it's just 
dolls, those kids are. They can take my money anytime. <laughs> God's that way with us. You know, my dad's always said, kids got to be so cute, otherwise you'd kill them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's that way with us. We're his children now because we've accepted Christ as our personal Savior. We realize that that prophetic story was there, that prophetic scripture was there, and whether you're Jew or Greek, he's faithful to all those that call upon him, Romans 5, Romans 5, 8, Romans 10, 9. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Have you gotten right with your Maker? Have you gotten the ability to come into that office? And you know, I can enter that office now in heaven anytime I want. Somebody asked, somebody said one time that, how much did God love you? He loved you this much. And all you have to do to talk to him is get your hands this close together. And you can talk to God. And you can enter into that office on his behalf, and your behalf is taken care of, and you can have him intercede, as I said before, even here on this planet, but he will take care of you when you get to heaven. You can have the confidence that Jesus Christ loves you, and you can have the confidence if you trust in Scripture and have everything unraveled before you, unraveled and untangled in format, I'm telling you. Chastisement is punishment for pain. Jesus Christ took punishment and pain. Let me read on and then we'll close. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Oh, let's go to verse 6. Uh, that famous scripture. And Why do you suppose he puts this in? Right after we, he, uh, we're, it's magnified and told us that Jesus Christ died for each one of us. He is very forgiving. Look at verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. The Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Him being Jesus Christ. He knows us. He knows us. Brother uh, Dill, who's out cooking hamburgers right now, he's, uh, he was talking in Sunday school about what kind of boneheads of kids he raised. And I was reminded of a saying... Uh, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. <laughs> and each one of us are fruit. And as we fall from the tree, God knows us. He knows we're sheep. He knows what's going to happen. He's there. He knew verse 6 before we did. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus Christ, they're talking about. He, being the Jesus Christ, was taken from prison, from judgment, who shall declare his generation. For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. Now, He's cut off from the land by a living uh, uh, is a forecast or a prediction of how he was going to die. Crucifixion is an example of somebody being so terrible they couldn't remain on this earth and so terrible they weren't going to ever get to heaven. And so they suspended him and they died in the air. That was the theory behind the crucifixion. 
Yet it pleased the Lord, and this is so this is the clincher here. This is what brings it back to us. This is what uh, makes it all happen. This is what gives me the confidence to share this with you. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That capital L-O-R-D. The Heavenly Father was pleased to bruise him, Jesus Christ. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I was talking to a gentleman that I admired quite a bit. He was a very affluent man. I worked for him when I was a young man, and I was telling him about Jesus Christ being his personal Savior. And he said to me, Jesus was just as human as all of us. And I said, yeah, but he died for us. He said, well, then why did God say to him, why did he say to God, Jesus, as he hung on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I vowed after that to find the answer. Right here is the answer. He took upon all of our sin. And as he hung there between heaven and earth and pleaded for each one of us, I believe by name, and pleaded for each one of us, uh, our sins, the Heavenly Father, and took those sins upon himself, the Heavenly Father had to turn his back on him. And that's why the whole world went black. That's why the curtain in the temple was rent in half. Is he had to turn his, one of the reasons the temple was, was attacked that way. But he had to turn his back on Jesus Christ because he can't stand sin. You can't get through that office door. That office door was represented, is represented by the curtain too. And as that curtain was opened up at the day Christ died, at the night Christ died, in the dark when Christ died, he was separated from his heavenly father for the first time in eternity because he bore our sins. And that's why he says, why hast thou forsaken me? Fulfillment of scripture, too. And he did that for each one of us. He took our sins so we could hope to stand before the heavenly father who was sinless. Then there's a blessing. He shall see the tra and travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied by the knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He's hung there between the two thieves on the cross, numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That word transgressor, it means to trespass, to cross and violate either one's property or one's person. We've all violated God. My Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. My Bible also says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. This gift was laid out for us in Scripture prophetically for the Jews' benefit and then for ours. And if you go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, 1 Peter chapter 2, 24, you'll see this echoed again. 
Who? That's Jesus Christ, his own self, bear our sins in his own body. Remember, we looked at the word our, now it's own. Who, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, the wooden post he was hung on, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Isn't that wonderful? Each one of us have a new lease, a new opportunity. If you read Ephesians chapter 5, you'll find out that Jesus Christ loved each one of us as a husband loves his wife, as a father loves his children, and he loves us as members of his church. Let's all stand.